Need to get your football fix on all things Army, Navy, and Air Force? This is Yards and Stripes Service Academy Football. Now, here's your host, Price Atkinson. Welcome into another edition of Yards and Stripes, your home for Service Academy Football, and I'm your host, Price Atkinson. want to thank everybody again for tuning in this week, and out of the gate, I want to apologize to everybody for last week and the radio silence, so to speak, that you got without a podcast, because as I was traveling in Asia, I had hoped to get a podcast put together and delivered right to your smartphone, as it is every single week during the college football season, but logistically, it got a bit difficult as I was over in Korea, and so I had some trouble there uh, trying to get everything put together, so I want to apologize. Timing not exactly optimal last week, being the first leg of the Commander-in-Chief trophy. Trust me, I felt the pressure, and I wanted to come to help get ready for that game with you, uh, but just logistically it became a bit too difficult as I was traveling in Asia for work but so I thank everybody for their understanding and thank everybody for listening again this week as we got a lot to do this week as we do have to recap what an afternoon Saturday at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium as the midshipmen they rally past the rallying Air Force Falcons 34 to 25 That was a wild fourth quarter that we saw in Annapolis. We're going to talk about that one as Navy gets the first leg of the Commander-in-Chief trophy with that win. We'll also talk about Army being stunned at home. Tulane uh, 3-1 and coming into that football game, but they pull off a stunner at Army uh, getting the win at Mikey Stadium. So we got a whole lot of game action we got to talk about. Our feature guest interview this week, excited to talk with Keenan Reynolds, the former Navy standout who is back with us after we first talked with him two seasons ago as he was embarking on his NFL playing career. Well, he's embarking on a challenge of a new kind this weekend. That new challenge, it's going to be a rookie of a different kind in the broadcast booth as he will be in the CBS Sports Network booth calling the South Florida BYU game with Dave Ryan, Corey Chavis. Cannot wait to ask him. We're going to talk about his playing career, where everything with that stands, get his take on the uh, the Navy Air Force game this past weekend, and certainly how his preparations have gone, what he's done to prepare and get ready for his debut in the booth this weekend. we got a lot to do, and don't forget, at the very end, we wrap up every episode of the podcast with the Travis Mannion Foundation Honor Roll, honoring a service member who has given the ultimate sacrifice for our country and for our freedom. So we will do that at the end. But first, got to get to the action from last weekend. Hut, hut, hike! First leg of the Commander-in-Chief Trophy is now history. Air Force taken on Navy this past weekend, and the Navy midshipmen in what seems to be incredible athletic theater that we get both time and time again when these teams meet, especially when it comes to games in Annapolis. This time, Navy leading most of the football game. They have to rally past Air Force, and they do, in fact, pull off that rally behind Malcolm Perry. We'll get to that in a second, but Navy getting past Air Force 34-25, to and folks, don't let that final score uh, fool you in terms of how close this football game was. It was nip and tuck in a fourth quarter that saw the teams combined for nearly 30 points. Here's how it went down. Jake Conkey getting on the board for Air Force with a 42-yard field goal late in the first quarter. But Navy coming right back. They come back with a pair of Nelson Smith touchdown runs, the first from one yard out and the second from three yards out midway through the second stanza, giving Navy a 14-3 lead. Conkey knocks home another 40-yard field goal there with two minutes remaining in the first half. That's where the teams would go into the break. 
at 14 to 6. Conkey, another big field goal, having a great season. This one from 49 yards out as Air Force takes that opening kickoff uh, and they get it down inside Navy territory before that drive is stalled out. Uh, Navy 14 to 9 at that point. But Malcolm Perry, his first of two touchdown runs in the ball game. Uh, on After the teams uh, played a little defense, Navy getting the ball back midway through the third quarter. Perry takes the ball from 20 yards out, uh, giving Navy their biggest lead of the day at 21-9, to and that's when the comeback started. Jake Conkey uh, puts home another, this one, a field goal from 26 yards early in the fourth quarter. But Donald Hammond, Jr., a one-yard touchdown run, uh, bringing Air Force uh, to 21-19. to Then Air Force gets its very first lead of the game after holding Navy, or actually a turnover, as Navy puts the ball on the ground, they Air Force makes them pay as Taven Bordeaux uh, goes in from one yard out. The two-point conversion would fail. 25-21 at that point, the Falcons leading Navy. Navy getting the ball back, and Malcolm Perry, boy, what a play he makes. Time and time again, it seems like he puts this team on his shoulders. This time, uh, it's a 32-yard pass on second and 20 uh, to C.J. Williams, 32 yards uh, from Navy's 33-yard line all the way down to the Air Force 35, the key play of the drive. Uh, then per- Perry, <coughs> excuse me, he would ultimately take it in uh, as it was a fourth and one from the Air Force 15. He gets the one yard needed, uh, but on the very next play, a crazy run, 11 yards for the first down as he goes airborne. And then on the very next play, Perry, a three-yard touchdown run with 23 seconds to go uh, as Navy goes back in front. But Air Force would get the football back. But the Navy defense, as Hammond goes incomplete on his first three passes, the third one is then broken up, or the, excuse me, the third one is also incomplete, broken up uh, by the Navy defense. But on fourth and ten, basically the final play of the game from the Air Force 27-yard line, here's how it sounded, the play-by-play voice of the Navy midshipman and the radio network, Pete Methurst. Final play of regulation coming up. Hammond back the throw. He's going to run it. Throws it out to the side for Sanders. That had to be a forward pass. It's up in the backfield. Cromartie's got it. Ball is out. Mid scoop. And they score. Scoop and score, baby. It's all over here in Annapolis. And the Mids flood the field. The brigade is on the field. It's absolute pandemonium. And Tony Brown gets the fumble recovery and takes it to the house from uh, eight yards out. Final score, Navy 34 Air Force 25. Donald Hammond for Air Force 10 of 25, 205 yards with an interception. He led the team on the ground with 77 yards. Air Force held to just 108 yards rushing. Navy outrushes their counterparts with 214 yards to 108. Perry leading the way, a sensational football game, 111 yards, while Nelson Smith added 82. Uh, But here's what Ken Niamatololo, the head coach for the midshipmen, had to say about his team's gritty win on Saturday. That was a great team win. You know, we kind of went back and forth, and when one side of the ball needed to step up, uh, we did. And just proud of our guys. I love them. And just proud of our our players, our coaches. They did a great job, great game planning, our kids executed. It's a tough kid, man. You, you know, just uh, didn't practice much this week. Um, you know, just a tough kid, and you know, just he, he refused to lose. 
you know, and just, uh, we were going to ride him at the end, you know, and just, you know, and I uh, made some big plays in the passing game. Our wide receivers and lead backs made some big catches, you know, some tough spots. We came up with some big stops on defense, you know what I mean? And I thought the defense did a good job. Uh, but it's, it's, a, it's a hard game. Those guys are resilient kids, Air Forces, and so are we, but uh, proud of Malcolm. I thought Malcolm willed us to a win that day. All right, that's Coach Ken Niamatololo. Here's what Air Force coach Troy Calhoun, here's what he had to say immediately after the game. The audio brought to you by the Falcon Vision of the Air Force Sports Network. Of a football game, I mean, there's no question. I mean, both those teams played so hard, and our guys did too. I mean, they uh, have nothing to be ashamed of. I mean, just their effort and their willpower to be involved and to fight back like that. And uh, we had a few too many mistakes. I think we had some scoring opportunities there in the first quarter, especially that we didn't, you know, really take advantage of. And uh, I mean, that's th- those are things that we can control moving forward. I mean, they hit some key throws there in the first half too. So uh, I think that 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 was one of the parts. There were a good number of parts. Anytime you play a game like that, you can look back and uh, find a good number of aspects. And that's both coaches there as Navy uh, gets the win, 34-25. to And the biggest thing they get is a leg up in the Commander-in-Chief trophy. We obviously have two more legs to go as Army will be traveling out to Air Force that first Saturday in November, the second leg of the Commander-in-Chief trophy. And we all know uh, that Army-Navy game, the third leg uh, coming up in December. All right, also on Saturday, uh, the Army Black Knights. Boy, tough one there at Mikey Stadium this weekend. A 15-game home winning streak there at Mikey snapped uh, for the Black Knights as Tulane. They come back and get past Army 42-33 Saturday afternoon as Tulane now improves to 4-1, and Army dropping to 3-2 and in the football game. We'll tell you how it happened. Army getting on the board uh, seven to nothing in a Connor Slomka touchdown run, uh, but then Tulane they take the lead on a couple of touchdown uh, passes in a run as they would turn uh, and head to the second quarter up fourteen to seven. They'd move ahead twenty one to seven on an early Justin McMillan one yard touchdown run, but Kelvin Hopkins Jr. Uh, a one yard run of his own with four minutes to go in the first half. That brings Army to 21 to 14 at the half. Army would tie it there early in the third quarter as Kelvin Hopkins Jr. capping a seven play, 75 yard drive going in from four yards out. But on the ensuing drive, uh, Tulane, they would move back in front. Three successive touchdowns they would score in a row uh, to take a 42 to 21 lead. But Army not done just yet with under five minutes to go in the football game. Camden Harrison hauls in an 11-yard touchdown pass from Kelvin Hopkins, Jr. The two-point conversion would fail as Army was down uh, 15. Uh, getting the ball right back, a, a 54-yard fumble recovery. Jabari Moore returns it. The two-point conversion, again, uh, would fail uh, as Army was then down 42-33, to but they cannot do anything more uh, with that as they fall to Tulane in the football game. 42 uh, to 33. Kelvin Hopkins Jr. returning off the injury. A team high 24 carries, 132 yards. Those two touchdowns average over five and a half yards a carry. Uh, Kelvin Hopkins Jr. through the air, nine of 24, 174 yards or 170 yards. His army was first was forced to throw the football, obviously more than they would want to. Uh, but Tulane rushing for 324 yards, out rushing. Army 324 to 193 and here's what Army head coach Jeff Munkin had to say immediately after the game. 
I mean, they made some plays. They got a really good football team, a physical team, a well-coached team, athletic team. They rushed for 324, and we rushed for 193. We're a running football team. We got to run for more yards than that. And if we're going to play good on defense, you can't give up 324 yards rushing. So that's what we got to do, run the ball and stop the run. That's, that's what we build our, our plan, our philosophy as a program is to do those two things. We didn't do them today. You heard it from Jeff Munkin right there. You got to be able to run the football and stop the run. And it was pretty simple uh, when it came down to that for uh, the Black Knights as Tulane, they outdid Army on first downs 28 uh, to 21 and outgained Army in total offense 525 to 363 uh, as they fall in the football game. You know what that sound means. It's time to give out our weekly game ball. And I don't know, this got it, guys, this got to be the easiest choice of the season. How could you not go with Malcolm Perry, the senior quarterback for the midshipmen, as he went 5 of 7, 144 yards through the air, no interceptions, no touchdowns, but rushes a team high 23 times for 111 yards, two touchdowns, including the obvious big one there at the very end of the game uh, to rally Navy past Air Force going in from three yards out, capping an 11-play, 75-yard drive in just under three minutes. Malcolm Perry putting that team on his back and seemingly willing the midshipmen to victory uh, on his back yet again. But Malcolm Perry, just an absolutely electric performance uh, in Annapolis. The numbers won't just kill you uh, with what he did. He's had better days on in really uh, certainly the ground. Uh, throwing the football, you can't ask for a whole lot more, 5-7, 144 yards. But just the plays and the way he put that team on his back, including uh, throwing the football, again, that improved passing game for Navy. Uh, but Malcolm Perry, our weekly game ball winner this week, as Navy gets that 34-25 to win over the Falcons. Speaking of Navy quarterbacks, we're going to talk with a former Navy quarterback when we come back, Keenan Reynolds. We had him on two seasons ago. We're going to talk with the former Navy standout, that number 19 retired in Annapolis, but still playing pro ball, was recently cut by the Seahawks at the beginning of the season, still grinding away, trying to find a way back on the field. He'll tell us what's in store with his playing career as he's got some news coming up, but he's also got some news as he will be making his debut in the booth this weekend, and we can't wait to hear how he's been preparing and so much more, including his take on that Air Force Navy game when we come back. That's going to be Keenan Reynolds, our featured guest interview this week right here. It's next on Yards and Stripes. The latest with Navy, Army, and Air Force on Yards and Stripes Service Academy football. Here again is Price Atkinson. All right, welcome back into Yards and Stripes. I'm Price Atkinson. You know me, but you also know our guest this week, and that's Keenan Reynolds, the former standout quarterback for the Navy midshipmen, turned NFL wide receiver, but now turned broadcaster, going to be making his debut in the booth this weekend for CBS Sports Network, and we're going to talk a lot about that and, and more with Keenan here uh, in just a second. But Keenan, man, uh, I, I got to say, first of all, welcome back to Yards and Stripes, and also... What a comeback that was. I know you watched your midshipmen make that rally against Air Force. What a game Saturday at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium. Yeah, they, they definitely got my blood pressure up. Uh, <laughs> I had to kind of hit, had to go, up for, go for a drive to decompress after the game. No, but uh, that was a great win, a huge win for the program. I mean, it's always tough playing Air Force. Um, it's really odd 
you know, the home teams are the teams that end up having the advantage. I mean, plant haven't played in in Colorado Springs two times. I can tell you, it's a real advantage for them. Yep. And we felt we felt we've always felt great at home. Yep. You know, with those service academy games um, like that, how, how how is it? Because, you know, I ask everybody this all the time, players, coaches, you know, who've been in the trenches, but how, when you play a team that you know, you, you just know each other's style so well, you can only out-scheme the opponent like an Air Force or an Army so much. Yeah, it's, it's really like a, a week-to-week thing. I mean, huh. when, well, not even week-to-week, but year-to-year, because if you think about it, you go in, you scheme from last year's game and what they did well against you, vice versa. You go out, you implement the scheme, and so now after the game, win or lose, you're going and you're looking, you're looking back at how things went, uh-huh. and you're like, okay, where could we improve? And so you got to change the scheme again. I mean, obviously, Navy, we have our base offense; they have their base offense, and you want to, you don't want to get too far away from that. You know, it, when you start trying to do too much, then you kind of put yourself in a tough spot. But you obviously got to have those plays that are schemed and uh, specifically ready for a team like Air Force or Army, for that matter, yep. and just being able to being able to implement that to, to give you those wrinkles so you can make the big play, you know, when the game's on the line. Yep. Now, you see Navy 3-1 and one, uh, right now off to a great start. Putting Really putting last year uh, is a distant memory at this point in the season. But, you know, you look at Navy right now, the defense is clearly different under Brian Newberry. You know, but uh, I'm curious your thoughts offensively because I'll ask you about Malcolm Perry in just a second. You know, but, you know, some of the changes, obviously Coach Niamatololo went through some offseason changes on the staff, and one of the things I think was just really interesting and seems to be paying huge dividends is billing, uh, bringing in Billy Ray Stutzman, who, who has brought in some of those run-and-shoot concepts into the passing game offensively. Yeah, um, you know, offensively, they've been, when they've thrown the ball, it's been very effective, very explosive. Um, I'm ex- extremely impressed at just how, how things have gone yep. so on the offensive side of the ball. And, mm-hmm. you know, I had opportunity to spend some time with them uh, in the spring and just where they've come from, from, you know, day one of spring ball to now in the passing game is tremendous. Um, and, you know, I think uh, Billy Ray Strussman, he's brought a, a great element, just kind of that modern element in the pass game mm-hmm. um, to the offense. And then, you know, to your point on defense, that's where most of the the, the major staff change kind of occurred. Yep. Yep. I've been I've been super excited. I love watching them on defense. Uh, Diego Fago, he's a guy that like when I watch the game, like he's literally popping out every single play. He had a huge game uh, last Saturday. It seemed like every every time there was a tackle, I just saw fifty four. Yep. So, I mean, they're making plays, sacks, turnovers, three and outs. I mean. It's it's really working, and and to be able to do that against a team like Air Force, which is what you want to, that's where you want to kind of rise to the occasion. I thought they played extremely well. Um, I'm excited about this season. I mean, they they got a chance to really you know make some noise in the AAC, and then obviously get that Commander in Chief trophy back. Uh, which is the number one goal every year. Yeah, that that uh, Army-Navy game now looms obviously very, very large at the end of the season, the game you you know all about and, and tasted nothing but victories uh, in that series. You know, but Keenan, uh, you know, I want to get to, you know, Malcolm Perry just a little bit and, you know, a guy that was, you know, kind of your, I don't want to say an understudy uh, with you while you were still there, but I, I'm sure, I know you've talked to Malcolm. I, I know he's probably picked your brain a little bit, but when you look at his game and how he's grown as a player what he can do with the ball in his hands, you know, so similar to the electricity he brought to the football field like yourself. What do you see in a guy like Malcolm Perry? 
Well, contrary to popular belief, I actually haven't really spoken with him much, if in, in at all, really, as far as like advice thing. Um, my uh-huh. kind of, my thing has always been um, just allow him to be him. Uh-huh. Uh, so I don't really even try to, you know, hey, you should do this or what about that. I mean, and you know, I kind of learned that from Ricky. Yeah. Uh, when I met Ricky, he never really tried to like coach me up. He was just always more of a friend, you know, support guy. Yep. And I and I really appreciate that. I mean, you, I know he's got a lot going on in his mind. A lot of you get a lot of coaching day in and day out. He doesn't, you know, he don't need my help. He's a heck of an athlete. He's just fine on his own. And you know, I think what he brings that is completely unique is his his experience as a slot back and his ability to take it, you know, take it to the house every time he touches the ball. Yep. Um, he's got several runs, you know, over 75, you know, he's got a couple of 90 yard runs. The guy can move. Um, the biggest thing for him that I seen was just continuing and maintaining that, uh, the health and staying healthy for the team. I mean, as he goes, the team goes, yep. um, got a young freshman guy behind him. It's going to take some time to kind of like get it, get into a rhythm if, if he has to play. So you want it, you obviously want your senior captain, best player to take over and take all the reps and, and completely run that team. So he just got to stay healthy, in my opinion. I think if he does that, they can go as far as they want to go um, yeah. this season. All right, continue with Keenan Reynolds, the former Navy standout, retired number 19, native of Antioch, Tennessee. Give Keenan a follow. At K Reynolds underscore 19 on Twitter, talking about the 2016 Naval Academy graduate. And Keenan, you know, uh, obviously as a player, you switched to wide receiver, uh, fulfilled some dreams uh, is, is a player in the National Football League. Uh, most recently cut by the C- Seattle Seahawks back in, in early September as the season was getting underway. But uh, let, us, let us know, where do things stand with Keenan Reynolds, the player, the, the professional football player? Uh, where are things at right now with your playing career? Um, for me, I'm still, I'm still pursuing it. I'm still uh, going to take every opportunity to try to, to get back on the field. Um, there are some opportunities that are going to be presented uh-huh. uh, in the near future. So I plan to take full advantage of those. I'm staying in game shape. I'm still, you know, ready to roll. I still do my same thing to, to continue to work on what I need to improve on. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that's really my status right now. Um, and in the meantime, obviously, um, since I have time on my hands, uh, completing some required Navy work that I need to get done. So, um, you know, obviously nobody ever wants to be, you know, in this situation where you're, you know, trying to get back on the team or just yep. get another opportunity. But it's part of the business, it's part of the game. And I feel I feel like I'm still young, still, you know, haven't really even hit my prime. So I feel like I can, you know, give it a run. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, playing for the Seahawks, you know, at time as a wide receiver there, you know, what are some of the things that, you know, working with Russell Wilson, working with Pete Carroll, what are some things that – you know, they helped you with, with your game. I mean, that transition as a, you know, as a former quarterback to a wide receiver, you know, it, it I guess it really never kind of ends. You know, you're always still kind of honing your craft, no matter if you played a position for years and years and years. But, you know, what are some of the things that they may have helped you with, you know, in trying to, you know, further refine your skills to, you know, to make a team and obviously, you know, stick with the Seahawks? Um, I learned a lot. I mean, that the year 2018 when I first got there, uh-huh. that entire year I had really grown as a receiver. Mm-hmm. Um, just from the off season time I spent actually in, in Washington, going into the off season and, and the the guy I was able to had the pleasure to work with uh, on receiver drills, Ernest Graham out of Pensacola, Florida. I worked with him, and then like 
all that development that I felt really good about going into Seattle and just getting a completely different perspective. I had the opportunity to learn from Doug Baldwin, watch him, watch his reps, mm-hmm. study him. Um, receivers coach was very technical. He he helped me a lot on just little things that I never, that you never really think about, and the technique on how to perform those things. Um, and, and just obviously working with Russ, MVP caliber quarterback, Super Bowl champion. Um, he's got a lot of experience, and he knows what he likes. He knows what works in the NFL. So I just try to soak up as much knowledge as I could while I was there. I think I learned more about the game of football being there, having understood, you know, having played in the league for a couple couple years and understood, you know, how to pick up an offense. Once I was able to pick that up, I was able to really learn about the game itself and, like, what kind of runs through the, the, the coaches and decision makers' heads as it, as it pertains to a game and the flow of a game. So I really, I'm really appreciative of the time I spent. I loved it in Seattle. The weather, you know, everybody talks about the weather, yeah. but the training camps are unmatched. I mean, it feels like fall all training camp, and you really can't beat that compared to. I've had training camps where it feels like it's about 100 degrees every single day. So, <laughs> yeah, um, I enjoyed the summer weather. It's a beautiful place, beautiful city. Um, it was a great experience being out there. Well, I know everybody's rooting for you to uh, to get back on a team, and as you mentioned, you know some playing opportunities <clears throat> in the cards. Hopefully, here in the very near future. So let's get uh, you know you, you you've been a rookie a couple times, and you're going to be a rookie again this weekend, Keenan. And you know I, I'm kind of curious where the nerves are, you know, and being a rookie yet again. But this time it's going to be your debut in the booth, uh, and you're going to be calling the game uh, on the CBS Sports Network. And that game specifically is going to be South Florida and BYU joining the crew of Dave Ryan and. Corey Chavis, I guess excitement. What what is it like preparing for your first broadcast in the booth? Because it's certainly going to be a, a much different experience. Yeah, it's, it's definitely uh, going to be super different. Um, and like you said, I'm a rookie at it, so I've had the opportunity to talk to um, you know Corey and Dave and, and really get some mm-hmm. insight on how they prepare. And really, it just comes down from what I've what I've learned from talking with with them is just preparation and yep. how much how much time are you willing to spend to learn the teams, the players, the storylines. Yep. So I mean, really, that's what I've been doing for like the past few days is just watching watching tape, reading up on stats and storylines and media diving the whole nine, just learning about how it's done. Um, and obviously, when I get in the booth, I just plan to kind of just you know get in where I fit in and you know I. And, and going back to my point earlier that we talked about personally was um, watching the games, I kind of tune out the, the commentation and just really watch it and try to analyze it myself. So, like, when I was watching the Navy game now, not only am I enjoying the game, but I'm listening to what, you know, Randy Cross and John Stadak, what they're talking about yep. as, they're, as they're chatting back and forth. We're trying to just understand how that dynamic is, something that I really never paid that much attention to. But – you know, I'm really excited. I think it's I think it's gonna be it's gonna go well, it's gonna be a good experience. Um, I feel good talking about football. I mean, I've been playing my whole life, um, and I've been learning about the game my whole life. So I just see this as another opportunity to talk football. And, you know, I can talk football all day. <laughs> so uh, I'm just gonna try to learn as much as I can in between now and Saturday, um, and be as prepared as possible and just see how it goes. 
Yeah, that game going to kick off 3.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, CBS Sports Network from Raymond James Stadium there in Tampa as the Bucks are off with the Panthers out in London with that NFL game on Sunday. So going to have the house to yourself there, Keenan. Who are some Who are some guys? Have you, is there any broadcasters or any, you know, radio, uh, you know, play-by-play guy? You know, you mentioned preparation, you know, and calling some games myself in the past. I mean, that that is the key. Uh, you know, it, it is. It comes down to preparation, but are there some guys? Guys that specifically you've kind of picked their brains, you know, maybe ask some questions, you know, that have mentored you in a little bit, just this very short amount of time getting ready? Um, really, you know, I spent, uh, I spent a good amount of time on the phone with Corey Chase and uh-huh. then just talking to him about really just how he goes about the whole process. Um, and again, like I said, he was extremely helpful. I have uh, Randy Cross's contact info. I'm definitely going to give him a call uh, this week and just kind of see how he, how he feels and how he prepares. Um, and like I said, watching the games and trying to listen to yep. guys talking and the conclusion that I come up with and what I've been told multiple times is it's just a conversation. You just have a little more knowledge about the game and the players, and you're just trying to, you know, make that information relatable to the viewers. So um, it sounds easy, but <laughs> it's a lot that goes into that behind there uh, that, you know, obviously I didn't realize up until this point. So yep. um, just trying to take what I've learned so far from the conversations I've had and the ones that I plan to have. <laughs> and just, you know, go out and have fun on Saturday. Absolutely. I know you got four years. You mentioned uh, left in the Navy, in the reserves for the Navy. You know, obviously, you know, playing career is still, uh, still right there front and center. And, you know, broadcasting career, it sounds like this uh, this could be a career path here down the line for you if it's really something you enjoy and, and want to pursue, Keenan. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think it's, I'm open for anything. And, uh, you know, I, I, I truly believe I will enjoy it. And, I, and even in the preparation part, it doesn't feel like I'm doing busy work or or doing work. It's just, you know, I'm watching football and, and writing down info about football. Like, it's just, yep. you know, I'm always watching, you know, I watch I watch Undisputed a lot and First Take. Mm-hmm. I'm always, like, listening and hearing people talk about sports. So, yep. if I was researching it and talking about it. I mean, that's that that's that's not work to me. That's fun. Absolutely. All right. Last question for you. Let you go, Keenan. Uh, you know, obviously, the first leg of the Commander in Chief Trophy up done. Navy gets uh, gets that skin on the wall as they uh, knock off Air Force. Now preparing for Tulsa this weekend. You know, when you look at the landscape of Service Academy football, it's it's been one that I'm sure probably yourself as a Navy grad not 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 so happy to see Army on top of the mountain. But you know, overall that landscape, uh, looking at the Service Academies and and certainly Army, uh, that you know, I guess you call it really it was an upset losing at home to Tulane on on Saturday. When you look at these three teams, you know, how how do you kind of assess? Uh, the landscape of Service Academy football, and and I and really where Navy and Army, I guess now on that collision course in December. Yeah, um, well, you know, I'll say this much: uh, when it comes to Service Academy ball, you never know what you're going to get yep. year to year. Um, and 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 we talked about you know Navy and Army on the collision course, but I wouldn't I wouldn't overlook Air Force and Army. I uh-huh. mean, you have no idea. I'm not sure where they play this year. But that game could go either way. You know, you don't know what teams are going to show up for that game. And the same thing, you go into the Army-Navy game last year. It was a close game. We had Navy had a couple of turnovers. Um, and you look at how well Army had played up until that point versus how poorly uh, Navy had played. And it was still a really close game that could have went in either way. Mm-hmm. And I think about my senior year and how well we were playing as a team. And Army was not very – 
very good that year. Or they, I think they was they may have been bowl eligible still. I'm not 100 percent sure, but we were clearly the better team on paper. Yep. And then you get in that game and we're losing uh, for you know much of the second half. Yep. You know we had to come up with some plays to to get back in the lead. So again, I mean that's a lot that goes into it. You got a lot of pressure. Um, you know, as having played in those games, you're thinking about what's on the line, what it means, what it means for your legacy as a class. Um, you want to win a ring, you want to win the commander in chief, you want to go to the White House, you want to do all those things because when you when you're being recruited, you know that's one of the first pictures you can see as you're walking up Ricketts. Um, when I was coming up, I'll never forget you, you see the picture of the football team with Obama. Yep. And I'm just like, yeah, I want to do that. I want to go take the picture at the White House, and that's like the number one thing that kind of draws you in so you know I, I think it could go either way I mean obviously I'm rocking with my boys to the wheels fall off yeah uh CIC champs 2019 I'm calling <laughs> it now but um you gotta keep your eyes peeled you gotta you never know what you're gonna get though yeah, I, I hear you. I, exactly right. So, well, look, Keenan, it's been great to catch up with you again and, and have a few minutes of, of your time. And we're pulling for you on the football field. And, man, especially in that broadcast booth because it is a lot of fun. Just uh, just pretend nobody's listening, that, that you're just at the, uh, you know, kind of at the, at the end of the bar, you know, having a drink and just talking some football with the boys. Because at the end of the day, that's really all it is. Like you said, you just got a little bit more knowledge about it than the average fan. Yeah, I mean, that's actually a pretty uh, interesting way to put it. I have to remember that when we get the booth. Well, Keenan, good luck this weekend, man. It's it's great to catch up with you, and uh, we'll hope to talk to you again real soon, my man. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. There you have it. Former Navy standout Keenan Reynolds, one of the most decorated ever to wear the Navy blue and gold, 32-13 and 13 as the starting quarterback for the midshipmen. Again, you can follow him on Twitter at KReynolds underscore one nine play-by-play, well, not play-by-play, he'll be doing color along with Corey Chavis and play-by-play announcer Dave Ryan, CBS Sports Network. They will have the call of South Florida and BYU at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time this Saturday. I know a lot of Navy fans are going to be tuning in to catch him in his debut before the midshipmen kickoff at 7.30 uh, with their game on Saturday night, which we will talk about here when we come right back here on Yards and Stripes, your home for service academy football. It's everything you need to know about service academy football. Yards and Stripes continues. Here again is Price Atkinson. You know, once a month I compile my power rankings of the three programs and usually try to do it at the end of September and hadn't had a chance yet as we are now in the month of October, obviously. But wanted to just go ahead and reset uh, our power rankings and, and, and just mention I do have a change, and that change would be in the bottom spot. We now have Air Force, obviously, uh, after Saturday's game with Navy. Uh, right now it's, it's really interesting because these three teams – I feel like all so even this season. Obviously, we'll see the second and third legs of the Commander-in-Chief Trophy coming up a little bit later this season. But the sample size after you know four or five weeks of college football, is certainly so many similarities, uh, but a lot of things these teams have in common. You know, Right now, I'd go Air Force 3. Uh, I'd go Navy, obviously, 2 after the win. And I'd still, even with the loss to Tulane and obviously sitting 3-2, and two, I would go with Army in the top spot. Right now, we saw Army go toe-to-toe and almost beat Michigan. I know almost isn't getting it done. Uh, but everything I've seen out of Army right now uh, still keeps them atop the mountain right now in my power rankings of the three programs. So I'd go Army 1, 
Navy 2, and Air Force 3. But as I said, I think there are so many similarities, and I could see without a doubt this season where all these teams in the round-robin format of the Commander-in-Chief Trophy go one-and-one one against each other. I, I just feel it, it's that even, especially as Air Force is going to host Army out in Colorado Springs in that first Saturday in November. But, man, what a time right now with all three programs. I think all three programs, there's no question, are going to be going to bowl games barring a, last, uh, a, a collapse uh, in the second half of the season. But so far, so good with Army, Navy, and Air Force. Through Travis Mannion Foundation's Operation Legacy Service Projects, veterans, families of the fallen, and inspired civilians across the country come together under the common cause to serve in honor of our nation's heroes. Service projects include city beautifications, planting memorial trees, volunteering at shelters, park cleanups, and more. Ask yourself, if not me, then who? And register for a project near you or as a virtual volunteer by visiting oplegacy.org. All right, let's take a look at this weekend's games and all three teams in action on Saturday night. These are going to all be Saturday night kickoffs this weekend. And we'll start with the Air Force Falcons coming off that loss to Navy, but they're going to be hosting a big, big Mount West Conference meeting with Fresno State. The Bulldogs coming into this game 2-2, two and two, and this will be the Mountain West Conference opener for Jeff Tedford's team, but they have won two in a row, having had the week off to prepare for Air Force. Fresno State's been pretty good in the red zone this season, as they just give up a little over two yards per carry. However, opponents have scored over 70% of the time that they have gotten inside that red zone, 12 out of 17 in terms of scoring opportunities against that Fresno no state defense, but Air Force coming into the game ranked number two nationally in, in rushing. Uh, they lead this overall series six to three, including five and three in Mountain West Conference games. But Air Force has won two in a row against Fresno State in three of the last four. Right now, Air Force installed as a three and a half point favorite in this football game. Again, Fresno State at Air Force. This is going to be a 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time kickoff on CBS Sports Net from Falcon Stadium there in Colorado Springs. All right, Army hitting the road as well. They are going to be taking on Western Kentucky there in Bowling Green. This one's going to be a 7 p.m. kickoff. I haven't seen any kind of TV coverage for this game yet, uh, but Army hitting the road at 3-2. and two. Western Kentucky also 3-2. and two. The Black Knights a four-and-a-half point road favorite in this game against Conference USA's Hilltoppers. This will be the third all-time meeting between the two schools. Western Kentucky does lead the series 2-0, to zero, including uh, having won two of their last, uh, the both of their last games, including 20-3 to three at Old Dominion this past weekend. So Western Kentucky uh, playing with a little bit of confidence right now after having won two in a row. Uh, this, again, a 7 p.m. kickoff there in Bowling Green, Kentucky, as weather reportedly uh, not expected to be very good for this game, Army at Western Kentucky. And then finally, uh, on Saturday night, Navy hitting the road. They will take on Tulsa. An American Athletic Conference game, a 7.30 p.m. kickoff Eastern Standard Time. This one going to be on ESPNU. Uh, the, even money line is a pick the last I saw between Navy and Tulsa. Uh, but Tulsa uh, coming into this game, they're going to be licking some wounds. They lost a 30-9 lead after three quarters. They were up 30-9 
at now number uh, 23 SMU last weekend, uh, but they fell in overtime as SMU rallied for a 43-37 to win in overtime against Tulsa. Uh, this balanced hurricane, golden hurricane offense led by quarterback Zach Smith, 1,300 yards this season, nine touchdowns, four interceptions. Shamari Brooks on the ground averages just over four yards a carry, 409 yards and four touchdowns this season, as this will be Military Appreciation Day at Tulsa uh, for this game against Navy. Navy has dominated this series, winning uh, the last four, and they lead the overall series five uh, wins to just one loss. However, these three game, last three games they have played on the road in Oklahoma against the Golden Hurricane. Navy has won them by an average of 20.6 points. So Navy's had a history of success hitting the road uh, going to Tulsa. Again, a 7.30 p.m. kickoff Saturday night on ESPNU. All right, that does it as we get you ready for this coming Saturday night when we come back to Travis Mannion Foundation Honor Roll segment. Uh, you don't want to miss it. It's how we wrap up every episode of the podcast, honoring and remembering a fallen hero who has given the ultimate sacrifice. That's coming up next right here on Yards and Stripes. All right, welcome back in. Here we go. It's time for our Travis Mannion Foundation Honor Roll segment where we honor and remember a service member who has given the ultimate sacrifice for our country, uh, one who has put their life on the line, as so many do every single day here at home and around the world uh, in various capacities serving our nation. And this time, uh, this week, we're going to remember a young man, and I do mean young, because Corporate Daniel Baldassare of the United States Marine Corps uh, was just 20 years old when he died uh, while serving aboard a KC-130. Uh, as he lost his life and gave the ultimate sacrifice on July the 10th, 2017. And the native of Colts Neck, New Jersey, um, was, as I mentioned, a member of the United States Marine Corps, uh, joined the Marines during his senior year of high school. And prior, prior to arriving at boot camp at Paris Island, uh, he attended Marine Corps pulley training to prepare for recruit training. And he graduated from boot camp in December of 2015, uh, and he was recently, uh, right before his death, promoted to the rank of corporal based out of Stewart Air National Guard Base in Newburgh, New York. And he was later awarded the Global War on Terrorism's Service Medal and National Defense Service Medal. And, and Daniel, who uh, was a member of the Colts Neck High School football team uh, for several years uh, from where he lived, he was born uh, in the New Jersey area. And he was a witty character, as he was described by family and friends, uh, with a passion for history. Uh, he had a diverse interest in, in things from solace driving while listening to country music and Bible verses, uh, to playing the ukulele and the harmonica, to riding his skateboard. Uh, he loved going to the beach with his family and friends, especially to Long Beach Island uh, and other places where he could relax. And he was a, described as a man of character, integrity, and honesty. Uh, his name was chosen by his parents because the biblical Daniel was a hero, loyal, patriot, and he defended his beliefs. He lived out the characteristics of his chosen name. And as his sister Felicia <clears throat> said, their bond can never be broken even in death as they were best friends and confidants. Uh, he is survived by his mother 
and his father, Antonina Baldassari, and his father, Vincent Baldassari, as well as his stepmom, Kelly, out of Colts Neck, New Jersey. And, you know, we take this time to remember uh, those folks like Corporal Daniel Baldassari of the United States Marine Corps uh, who put their life on the line. Uh, and as so many people said, that the, that the country meant everything to him. He had a copy of the Constitution in his room uh, that he received when he was just five years old during a family trip to Williamsburg, Virginia. And his father, uh, he and his father would watch Band of Brothers together every Christmas holiday break. And one of his favorite songs was Chicken Fried by the Zach Brown Band. As his personality was described as, quote, a cold beer on a Friday night, a pair of a pair of jeans that fit just right in the radio in his 1997 Ford Ranger, as the song goes. So we want to take a step back and remember the life of Daniel Baldassari, who gave his life the ultimate sacrifice on July the 10th, 2017, because it's folks like Daniel and so many others who have come before him uh, that keep our freedoms free, because as we know, freedom is not free. So we remember the life of Daniel Baldassari. In 2007, Marine First Lieutenant Travis Mannion was killed in Iraq after saving his wounded teammates. Travis's legacy lives on through the words he spoke before his final deployment, If not me, then who? Words that today fuel the spirit of Travis Mannion Foundation. And through TMF, these words can live in you too. Show the world what you're made of, because character is invisible until it's not. Find out how you can strengthen the character of your community alongside empowered veterans, families of the fallen, and inspired civilians at travismanion.org. All right, that'll do it for our episode of Yards and Stripes, your home for service academy football. Once again, I want to thank Keenan Reynolds, our featured guest interview this week. Excited to catch back up with him after it's been a couple seasons, uh, an episode or, or season one, I should say, in 2017 of Yards and Stripes. So it's great to hear what he's been up to. Certainly, obviously, pulling for him and his future playing career. And obviously, excited for his debut in the booth cbs sports network booth this saturday 3 30 p.m eastern standard time south florida and byu as he will join dave ryan and Corey chavis there uh, on the call of that game at raymond james stadium once again i want to thank our all our listeners uh I've said it at the beginning say it again last week uh, you know was traveling in asia logistically had, had hoped to be able to put together a podcast while away uh, i know the timing was was not exactly optimal with it being uh, the first leg of the commander-in-chief trophy so i hated to miss that one and i'm sorry i couldn't bring you interviews and insight and everything as we got ready for that game last week don't get me wrong i saw every minute of it uh, once i got home but logistically it was a little difficult from asia as i was traveling for work over there in Korea. So just want to thank everybody again for their patience. Also, thank you for listening and subscribing. Make sure to subscribe to Yards and Stripes on your favorite. Doesn't matter what your platform is for your podcast on your smartphone, on your Android phone, whatever you use, you can get Yards and Stripes delivered right to you every single week. All you got to do is hit subscribe, and you can give us a follow on Twitter, Facebook, at Yards and Stripes. Hear every episode every single week as we take you through the college football season. You're only home for Service Academy football. But that'll do it for this episode. Just want to thank Keenan Reynolds again. Thank everybody for listening. We'll do it again next week right here. In the meantime, have a great weekend, everybody, and enjoy the games. To get more on all things Service Academy football, like Yards and Stripes on Facebook and follow them on Twitter at Yards and Stripes. And as always, you can subscribe to Yards and Stripes on iTunes and Stitcher. Join us again next time for Yards and Stripes Service Academy football.